Welcome to Podtification, the show where three pastors sit around displaying their sharp wit and their occasionally sharp theology. We hope you enjoy. Now let's get on to the show. Welcome back to Podtification. We are glad to see you here. I believe we are on episode six. Is that Hello, correct? Hello, everybody. Yeah, I think we're on Hello. episode six. So why? Well, just can I ask a question? Why does it matter what number we're on? Is that we're just following all the other podcasters and they? Yeah, we're doing what everybody else is doing. Okay. It's easier that way, and uh, and it's just good to remember that we know how to count. So. And so. I figure that's helpful. Um, we are. And you excited. can reference episode whatever, right? Is that we right? Can, yeah. Then you can reference episode whatever. Um, okay. gotcha. The reality is, is, I don't remember what we've said in any of our episodes at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to go back and listen to them myself. That's how we get our numbers up there. Okay. All right. But, <laughs> so, so once again, uh, we are we are here online as uh, as it seems like we have been all but one of our our. Uh, podcast episodes so far. Um, partly that's because Brent is self-quarantining right now, and uh, he just got back from Louisiana about a week ago. Brent, how has your quarantine been going? Uh, I'm like a caged animal. Like a I caged just, animal. Yeah, I, I, nothing bad, but I just don't like the idea of not being able to go anywhere. It just feels, uh, it feels anxiety provoking but i'm doing okay all right did it change the way you think about zoos it does it does actually especially bigger animals i think it's <laughs> it, it, it's just wrong now that, yeah now, now that i've thought about now it. now that you've experienced a little bit of it exactly <laughs> just imagine people walking up to your windows and just kind of looking in <laughs> <laughs> watching you slip step by step into insanity <laughs> exactly it gives you a new perspective it does yeah that would be a very interesting thing to watch walk by and just watch brent continue <laughs> down this path of insanity <laughs> i wonder if well, it would look any different than most of our interactions right. <laughs> well lauren and Lacey did come by our house and set out in our front yard at long distance from us and said uh, said their goodbyes because i wasn't at church on sunday and so i yeah. didn't get to see them and so it is bizarre that I, you know, to, to, you know, have to be like that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad they were able to do that. Um, for those of you who are able to come to uh, Daybreak Community Church, you know that this past week we said goodbye to a couple of people uh, who have been part of our church family for the last three years, and they're heading back to Texas. Good friends of mine. They uh, work with me on campus reaching college students, and uh, they're going back to Texas. Um, a crazy time for them to be leaving in the middle of COVID and trying to navigate all of the different restrictions that they have to deal with as they cross through states. But, you know, a grand adventure. Um, and when they first moved up here, they lived in Brent's basement for a little while. So um, I'm glad that they ended up moving out of there because then they became my neighbors and they've been wonderful neighbors and wonderful tenants. But I'm sure Brent is a, a little bit bittersweet about that because I, it's almost like I stole them away from you. You did. You did. Yeah. It, but my basement's like a rite of passage. You know, you have to live in my basement for a little while and then it's just Slowly like a rite of passage. Slowly slipped into insanity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Hey, let me ask you guys. Um, I wonder if this is how many states this is true about. Like, do you have like a like word association with with the state of Texas? Like, do you have something you think of immediately? Something I think of. I think of armadillos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I Secede. don't know. Secede. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. Secede. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about that with like how many states that actually uh, occurs to you. Cause I think there, there are many states where like if you were to name something, I would think immediately about like I'd associate with that, that with something. I wonder if there are states where you would just draw a blank. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to think right now, what would be a state that I would have no association with? And that's North even harder. Dakota. To, North yeah. Dakota, just flat. Yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah, that's essentially, yeah, I was thinking that, I mean, uh, forgive me, anybody from, like, yeah, like, Minnesota, North, North Dakota, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I think they're cold, I think that's about all I got. What was your word association for Vermont before you moved here? Um, a maple syrup, of course. Maple syrup, okay. no. Yeah. Mine was Bob Newhart's show. I guess Bob I'm Bob Newhart, look at yeah. that, that's reaching way back. Yeah, I'm older, so you, you, don't... you look good for a 70 year old, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't remember my Check out episode Darryl? four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't was actually know four? if that's I right. Think that was, I think I that was just know. last week. I think I that was know. episode five. But... <laughs> that's true, but the pan- time has no meaning anymore. It, for... Yeah, and yeah. very true. Very true. So I know, uh, Jesse, you always like to ask, what's big in your life this week? And you get to ask it first, but because I opened the show this time, I'm going to point it at you. So you get to open up with what's big in your life. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked that, Sean. Um, so, GTA all over again. So for me, uh, no, no, that, that um, portion of my life has drawn to its inevitable close, which was not exciting. The police didn't show up at my house and repossess this car. Um, I actually had, um, I had found the correct car, it turns out, in the airport, and Brent and his family, I don't know who picked it up, but it was gone. I hope you picked it up. My car's not at your house? The car's not at our house anymore, so if you didn't pick <laughs> it up, man, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that season in our lives is over. It's long, long gone. I, actually, as I was thinking about this, what's, what's big, um, I mean, just like everybody, I think, in Vermont right now, except for the Divinis who are stuck inside their house, um, we're enjoying the outdoors as much as possible before it gets you know, really, really hot. And what I've been doing a lot, and probably more than I should be doing, is playing disc golf. And I've been doing that like regularly whenever I get some time to myself or to go out with some people and just this last, so I've been playing it a lot and having a really, really great time. But just this last week I played like out of my mind. Good. Like I played the best round I've played ever and I did it with people around. So there was like witnesses of me doing really, really well. And I just like every shot was like, I was firing on all cylinders, like things were happening. Like I was saying, saying to myself, I want to do this. And it happened. And it was like, so, so satisfying. And you know, that people were there who I respect, shout out to the mayors, people who were there who I respect and who could like appreciate it, you know, and be like, man, that was really great. Like it was like the pinnacle of my disc golf career. And now I'm forced with this, with this crossroads. Right. Um, because I've done like, my best performance yet i'm almost guaranteed to do worse next time i play the blessing and the curse right? yeah i don't i don't know what to do guys i i might have to find another hobby now. 
I, I, I feel you, man. Disc golf. That is a, that is a remarkably tough game. You would think like, no, that, that can't be so difficult. You're just throwing a Frisbee around. No, not yeah. at all. Like throwing a Frisbee around <laughs> totally different thing, totally different thing. So, uh, I, I were, I respect the conundrum. Yeah. It was so much fun. It was great. And after, after the end, it was just so much fun to just kind of rest in that. Like, man, I've never played that well. And now I've been thinking about like, maybe I should go out again. I think, oh, but I don't want to ruin this great round that I just had. Anyway, that's what's going on for me. Um, big conundrum. I, I have, can I have a part two? Since you asked me first, I get to go first. I suppose um, you can have a part two, yeah. It's a little bit of a follow-up on something I talked about a couple weeks ago. And I wanted to share this with listeners and just kind of like, like a thank you to some of the listeners who, who responded. Um, I asked for, for some bat names um, a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago. And, um, and Sean, you had um, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Um, That's the I, obvious a, choice. I've had a couple more. Can I share them with you guys? Please. I'm actually very interested in this. People have, people have sent me a couple more and I'm just like, first of all, a little bit surprised, but also so grateful to hear when people listen to our podcast. So if you're listening, thank you. That's awesome. And we're really grateful for you. <laughs> um, a couple of people just this week sent me bat, a couple of bat names. And I want to share. I got, I got a couple, but the top two. Um, uh, one was Francesca Battistelli, which I Ooh, thought was pretty good. Right. Good one. Yeah. Um, and the other one, also a Batman reference, was um, Robert Battinson. Which oh. hits on a lot <laughs> of different levels. <laughs> that's, a, that's an upcoming Batman reference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought th Neat those preview. are those are both winners. So good. Um, with that, I think I have all but one of our bats named. So that's pretty right. good. So thank thank you, podcasters. How Pod will you tell the difference? Procrastinators. I mean, how do you know which one's which? Can you tell? Can you actually like say, "Oh, that's Bruce Wayne"? Can you like? you're that intimately acquainted with what they look like or I'll show don't they all look the same i i can okay. say that and tell you that i can tell them apart and what are you how are you going to say i'm wrong um <laughs> this is this is true yeah 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 <laughs> i mean they move by really fast so I, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> so anyway that made me that kind of made my made me chuckle this week so thank you to the those who submitted some of those names i appreciate it, it was fun all right. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad for that update as well. Brent, uh, I want to know what your big thing is. I think, did you just freeze on us? Yeah, I mean, mine is, we've already just, I, I don't know. Oh. Really, shot. I'm freezing? No, I think you're, I think you're clear now. How, how can I freeze when I'm on an ethernet cord? I don't understand that. So I have no idea. So uh, quarantine life, caged animal is what went on in my life. Um, I, uh, things are going well, adjusting back to reality. Um, I think I have discovered a few things about quarantine life. Um, one is that I'd never be a work home person, which I kind of figured. I think I would commute at least an hour either, both ways uh, to not get home. Not that my home's a bad place. I just... I like mentally I needed a different place to do my work, I think. So, but uh, that's, that's about the extent of my, of my life. I, I am fortunate in that my work is considered essential. And because of that, I can have my COVID test tomorrow after seven days and hopefully find out 
the following day if I'm clear of COVID and return to normal. So. Well, that'll be nice, I'm sure, to be able to get out of the house. I, uh, I actually rather like being able to work from home. That's kind of one of my, I enjoy that. Mm. Um, I didn't always, but when I graduated from college, I had a regular job and I was starting a web development company out of my house. And it was really hard trying to learn how to work in that home environment. Uh, because you have to self-discipline, you have to have your own kind of structure and routine, and you have to be able to tune out distractions, you know, home distractions, and that's not an easy thing, but eventually I learned it, and I actually kind of like it now, but I guess, uh, you know, if you, if you are not used to that, that probably is a hard thing to adjust to. I wonder how many people are struggling with that. You can leave a comment you know, yeah. If, if you've been having a struggle with having to work from home, for those of you who are working from home, um, versus those who are uh, able to still work in their essential career. So, Zoe had a uh, like her her job. I don't know if it's UVM or some. Or, or I don't know what it is, but she got a notification today about a staff cocktail hour, and it's like a virtual. You know, they're not getting together so it's like a virtual cocktail hour and so the idea is that you get on a zoom call with whatever 50 of your closest co-workers and 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 share a cocktail together during the work day i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know but I, I was just thinking like that how like that's so like that just seems sad to me that a bunch of people just drinking at home <laughs> don't you think that's kind of bizarre I think it, there were someone was baiting her so they could record it and get her fired. Oh, maybe that's what it is. That's what <laughs> <laughs> she, she shows up to the Zoom meeting with some alcohol ran. <laughs> she, she gets fired. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> mm, maybe I should. I, can, I need to go tell Zoe something real quick. Real quick. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> So my big thing, I uh, I actually I built a I built our family a new coffee table this week. Um, I had a bunch of old wood that I had recovered from years ago. I I managed to find a shopsmith for free. Uh, some people are going to know exactly what that is, and most people won't. And the only ones who will are probably going to be over the age of sixty. Um, but a shopsmith was this uh, really cool kind of post World War II. Um, like multi-tool thing, like on a really large scale. And so it, it's like five or seven tools all in one. And uh, I, I'd learned about it and I grabbed one for free and I kind of fixed it up and somebody had built this, this uh, base that it was sitting on. It was massive, like huge timbers that it was sitting on, like rough cut timbers. And uh, I'd taken it off that base because I put it on a different base that fit in my shop a little bit better after I got fixed up and I tossed this thing in the back and I uh, was trying to figure out what I was going to do with that wood. And COVID comes around and gives me plenty of time to think and uh, decided that we're going to, we needed a new coffee table. So I made one, um, planed the wood down, got it nice and looking nice and fresh, but still kept some of that kind of rough cut saw marks and stuff. So it's got that fun, rusticky feel. And that was a kind of a fun project over this past week. Um, got that mostly buttoned up today. Uh, only to realize that it's probably about a foot too big for our space. <laughs> so it might need a little uh, bit more tweaking. We'll see. Maybe we can move stuff around, but it's, it's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. So 
a foot too long a foot too long yes hmm. so that's all right you know you can always cut off a foot you just can't put one back on so <laughs> gonna, gonna think about that one for a minute yeah <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool so um when you uh did you, did you build this out of, let me ask you, did you build this out of necessity or do you say like, okay, this is kind of, well, this is the size thing I can build out of this. Let's, let's make a coffee table. So a, a little bit of necessity. We have a coffee table. Yeah. I have still, this coffee. Yeah, I have nowhere to put it. Literally to put it. cannot put this down. We have a coffee table <laughs> that is functional, but it is looking sad. Um, and it was just kind of one of those, like, we've been cleaning stuff up around the living room, got rid of probably 30% of the books that we had on our bookshelves, uh, which just kind of opened up the space. And then it was like, you know, this is looking a lot nicer. It's time to change some of these other things that are looking a little tired. Uh, our couch is looking pretty tired, and we're going to be uh, getting another couch soon. And so it was just kind of the next logical step. If we're going to have an, a newer couch, and we've got nice, clean bookshelves, we might as well swap out the coffee table. So it was a little bit of necessity, but mostly just opportunity. You guys are handy. I mean, Jesse, you just built a deck, didn't you? Yeah. I've never yeah, built I did. I've never built anything in my life. Maybe so. that's why you don't like working from home. <laughs> Maybe that's it. There's <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs> Sean and I like working from home because then we can do other things. I guess <laughs> so. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool, Sean. I'm 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 interested to see it. Yeah, it was and also it was, to put coffee on top of it. Yeah, put some coffee down. I wanna try if, that out. See if it works. Set yeah. it down. Yep, that's a good coffee table. I actually have a question. Maybe I think this might be a philosophical question, which is what makes a coffee table a coffee table over against just a table? That's a it's very the good length. question. It's like it's there. It's the length or the height. Both. Or just what do you put on it? <laughs> it could be a spaghetti table. Sometimes it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's my <laughs> point. Yeah. <laughs> Or your popcorn table, or yeah. your footrest, or I mean, it's... yeah, I don't know why coffee gets all these special things. Like when you have a mug, it's called a coffee mug, right? But you can put whatever you want in it. I don't know yeah. why coffee gets so much attention. It it's probably uh, just showing us the profound amount of uh, addiction as a culture <laughs> we have to coffee. It would sound pretentious if you called it a tea table, though. <laughs> right <laughs> it, it, well we did buy a tea it's cart like super right? super particular this is my my uh organically grown home roasted coffee table yes, there you go <laughs> <laughs> half calf only uh you know sun roasted coffee table sun roasted yeah sun roasted yeah um uh let's move along can we that's probably sure. enough coffee table talk. I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. This this podcast brought to you by coffee tables <laughs> or <laughs> the coffee lobby. So um, I have a question for you guys about chores. <clears throat> um, uh, are there any are there any household chores that you secretly enjoy uh, or 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 vehement, on the other side vehemently hate doing? 
it's dangerous to say something you secretly enjoy. Yeah. Well, let's keep it secret, just between the three of us, and just between the three of us, and both of our listeners. We we all know our none of our wives watch our podcast, <laughs> so we're probably pretty safe. <laughs> well, I, I did catch Monica listening to the podcast from two weeks ago today, so I've got at least two weeks lead time. So. <laughs> well, she's two weeks ahead of Lori. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um i i actually i don't mind vacuuming um i don't know there's something you were actually talking about that the other week jesse it's uh, true but yeah i don't mind vacuuming there is something uh you were using that in your sermon illustration if i remember so it wasn't a, a yeah, podcast topic over at over at daybreak church yep. daybreakvermont.org that's Check the it one out. that's the yeah. one um <laughs> Who is definitely sponsoring this podcast? Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I don't I don't mind vacuuming. That's actually something I enjoy doing. I do not like doing dishes. I will do them. Oh. They they need doing sometimes, and and I'll do them because I know that my wife will appreciate it when I do. But it is the least enjoyable task. Um, I I don't know. I just never yeah. liked it. Worked in the kitchen for years had to do dishes, hated it, but I did it. So. Brent, where do you stand? Uh, dishes, definitely. I, maybe I've told you guys this before, but when uh, Lori was pregnant with Carter, our second child, um, she was viciously sick. And so I would go to work, I would get home, she would be like in a coma, hand me Caitlin and say, I can't do anything. And she would fall asleep like immediately for the rest of the night. So mm. I, I needed to minimize chores in my house because I didn't have much time. So I converted all of our dishes over into plastic plates and plastic cups. And we still do that to this day. We never <laughs> run out of plastic plates or plastic cups. Um, I get angry at my children if they use a real cup unless they wash it themselves. So that's that's. Speaking of dangerous things to put in uh, recording and uh, podcast form, it's, it's this episode brought to you by the landfill. <laughs> it's uh, not very environmental, but it's uh, definitely true about my house. You know, so so interesting. I, I actually I don't mind vacuuming. Um, I actually I actually like washing dishes, and not not like not like like I can't get enough of it. You know, like. I can get enough of it. Um, but I actually, I actually enjoy it. And I like like get, just getting the kitchen clean. I like that process. I don't mind doing dishes. Um, but I think I kind of like, like, I think I kind of shot myself in the foot because I do dishes so much. It's not, I, I want to say it's not that it doesn't get appreciated. Like it's it, certainly like, and it's not even really about that, but because I, because I wash dishes so often, it's just kind of like, Oh, you know, wash the dishes again you know it's no big deal so i think you're right to like you don't want to be too you don't want to go out there too much and say i really like doing this thing because then you just do this thing. Just get, you're the one who does your it, job right? yeah. yeah 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 the one the thing i hate doing and we can kind of move on i hate cleaning the microwave hmm. like to me uh i i nothing makes me happier than a clean microwave but man like getting in there and trying to, oh i hate that job that's like I, I would I would rather clean all of our bathrooms than do that. So maybe you know this, but if you put a cup of water in there and 
do it for a few minutes, it evaporates into it and then it wipes out very easily. Yeah, that's what I hate doing. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> We've no, all got like, our things. I, I, well, we don't need to get into this. I just hate like just getting the sponge in there and like wipes. I just I hate it anyway. I, it's unreasonable, but whatever. I didn't ask for that's reason. one step too many, as you would say. I just don't like it. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, nothing about that appeals to me. Um, uh, I have a couple of questions. Can we move on to some questions? Sure. Yes. From from listeners. Listener comments. Um, All right. Yeah, comments, questions. Um, <clears throat> to, uh, two 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 questions today. Um, and uh, again, it's like we we're so grateful for people who listen uh, to, to the podcast and just kind of engage in that. Um, uh, Monica, uh, welcome to July, I guess, since this, this. <laughs> hope you had a good June. Uh, no, seriously, whoever, you know, as you're listening, thank you for listening. We're, we're very, so grateful and, and love when people kind of send in comments and, and interact with some of the stuff that we say. Um, this comment is actually from a friend of mine in New Mexico. So like getting multi-state listeners, which is awesome. Um, she actually has a question, just a quick one from our discussion last week, um, which is this. Have any of you guys had revelations from God like the one in Second Kings 6? Um, and if you remember, we talked about this last week of the idea of, of Elisha and uh, his servant's eyes being opened and seeing like that hillside covered in, in warriors. You remember that? Right. Yep. Um, and so, and so her question is about that. Have you ever had any kind of revelation like that? Um, interested so, to hear your answers. So I, I, I knew that question was coming. I went and I was like curious just to read the whole chapter. And like the first part of the chapter was about this floating axe head. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, I have never found a floating axe head. So it <laughs> hasn't happened. Hasn't, hasn't happened. happened. <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I do have a story. I, I'll try and keep it on the shorter end. Um, usually when I tell the story, it's like an hour long, but we don't have that kind of time. Um, but I was, uh, I was in college and, you know, growing up in, in church, uh, you know, I had grown up in a conservative church background and had this kind of particular understanding of the Bible and of who God was, but the Holy Spirit was kind of foreign to me. You know, it's like I knew the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity, but I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And uh, in college, I met some people who came from a charismatic church background, and uh, we were part of the same uh, Christian fellowship group in college, and I got to know them and became really close friends with them. And I start like hearing all of this stuff about people speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit and healings and all this kind of crazy stuff that just blew my little 18-year-old mind. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, as much as I could, I'd done tons of research, read through several different books about the Holy Spirit. There's some wacky stuff out there. And uh, I started praying this prayer as I began to recognize, like, went to some conferences where people would pray in tongues and and uh, get, you know, fall over laughing and all kinds of stuff. And I just didn't know what to do with that. Oh, man, that weirded me out. But I started praying this prayer, God, if what they have is real, I want what they have. Um, you know, I just kept asking God for that. And this went on for a, a year uh, or better, um, for sure, with just this really persistent prayer. And I was at this conference um, 
on New Year's Eve in Kansas City, and I was trying to figure out what, uh, you know, like it was this charismatic conference, and I was praying that prayer, and all this crazy stuff is going on around me. It's like counting down to midnight, and I don't know what time it was exactly, but we were moving in that direction, and I'm praying this prayer, and I kneel down in the midst of all of this commotion going on, and I just ask God one more time, God, if what they have is real, I want what they have. Mm-hmm. And this is the first and and really only time that I think I've heard God's voice mm-hmm. um, where he spoke to me and he said, you want with me what they have, but I want with you what no one has. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, after that, all of that desire ev- evaporated. My desire was no longer to compare myself to other people. My, you know, it was just this satisfying kind of like, God wants something different with me, you know, like my, my walk with him isn't supposed to look like other people's walk. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be what he and I make it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and I think that's true for everybody. I think that's yeah. true for everybody, but that was my revelation. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good answer. That's the short one. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And thank you for making it short. Yes. Uh, no, but thank you. That's, that's, that's really cool. And what a profound moment. And just yes. to kind of get that answer there. And even and even like, now it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, what about you, Brent? Do you have any uh, kind of stories like that or not, not that you need to, I mean, a lot of people don't, it's not. Um, yeah. I guess the closest thing I, I've had to that was <clears throat> when uh, my grandfather passed away, I was, I, he was, uh, he passed away in Alexandria, Louisiana. I flew into New Orleans knowing that he was dying. His death was imminent, but he was still alive. And I rented a car to make the two hour drive to Alexandria, Louisiana. And I got pulled over by a cop in Lafayette, Louisiana, who kept me on the side of the road for about 15 minutes. Didn't trust that I was really going to see my dying grandfather said, you know, I couldn't really prove that and gave him the nurse's number. He wouldn't call. So I end up being about five minutes from my grandfather's house and my mother called me and my grandfather had passed away. And so I was obviously like frustrated that I wasn't there, you know, probably one of the biggest influences in my Christian life. And the only way I can explain it, it was as if God sort of downloaded into my mind dozens of thoughts at one time um, just to bring up some of them were, were, it's like all of a sudden I understood that God was in control of everything and he wasn't five minutes off here. And all these thoughts about my grandfather uh, became a Christian because he was, uh, because he was, um, uh, because he was being bombed by the Japanese and on on the island he was stationed in in World War II, fell off a cliff in his vehicle, uh, ended up being in a VA hospital uh, because it broke most of his bones in his body for a year, met my grandma, who's a candy striper. And then you add all these other things together. My, my parents getting uh, uh, divorced, but my mother being a Christian, raised in a Christian home. Um, all these good things and bad things, the world, Second World War. I realized all these good things, bad things, all these prayers and all these prayers that were answered yes and all these prayers that were answered no could, you know, came together to me being a believer right then. It was almost like God said, mm. I wasn't five minutes. Don't worry. You know, that five minutes, I, I didn't mess up in those five minutes. And wow. literally, again, the only way I can describe it is like 
dozens of those thoughts of all those things that made me a Christian, hmm. um, which were good things, bad things, answered prayers, non-answered prayers, world wars, you know, all those things. All those things still work together for the for the good. And I don't know, it was, a, it was a, you know, maybe somebody can say, well, you were just very emotional. You just found out your grandfather died. I've been very emotional a lot of times in my life, but I've never had uh, that many dozens of thoughts all, all, all at once come into perfect alignment the way that that happened at that moment to me. So That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, kind of like a revelation, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think that's a fascinating image and just the way that you describe that oftentimes make like I oftentimes think about these these prophets and and various characters in scripture writing prophetic like revelations you know and kind of uh, or communicating them passing them on and kind of how difficult that must be uh, must have been to like get these these images or these stories or these messages and then to try to explain that to other people you know because as you're as you're explaining that and just getting all these like moments and stuff just pop in in this in the span of just a moment and then and then trying to trying to share that you know uh, i think that's such an incredible uh well first of all like a blessing to be able to do that but also a huge challenge right to share the that that experience of that revelation Hmm. um in addition to the message right yeah Um, that's cool man what a good, that's a great, both great stories. Um, Jesse, what about you? I, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think the, there's a couple things that kind of occur to me. I think um, nothing kind of as dramatic as, yeah, as like a floating ax head or a hillside full of armies <laughs> would be super cool. Um, I, I think uh, uh, when I was getting almost done with high school, um, the youth group I was a part of went on a, a mission trip to the Philippines. Um, and it was like a two week mission trip where we were doing kind of this drama, like a, like a skit kind of thing. Um, and uh, we spent, you know, however many months beforehand practicing uh, this thing. Um, and, you know, it's getting close to the time where we're getting ready to go. And um, it was super exciting. Um, we were first time really out of the country. And so, yeah, it was just this big deal, right? Um, right when we were getting ready to go, uh, the political situation in the Philippines kind of blew up um, in the late 90s um, and 2000, something like that. And it just got really dangerous there. Um, and, uh, you know, they, the leaders of the trip kind of consulted with their contacts there and, and kind of had the, the conclusion, like, it's safe where we're going and, and it'll be okay. But my parents um, uh, kind of, they, they made the decision that like, we don't feel comfortable with you going. And, and so, you know, we need you to, we need you to stay home. And it was, you know, three days before we were supposed to go. And, and I remember just feeling like, like on the one hand, just crushed, you know, like so much anticipation and so much excitement about going and doing this thing and experiencing it and all the preparation that went into it. Of course, like, like kind of the teenager thoughts of like my friends are going and I want to go with them and ex- share this experience with them. And, and, and also the idea is like, this is going to be a kind of a cool thing to share faith and to, to do that and to serve the Lord and stuff. Um, and I remember them telling me this, like you, you can't, you can't go. We're just not going to allow it. And I, I remember driving off in my car, um, which I don't mean to brag, but had a sunroof. Um, uh, it was a crank sunroof. 
Um, and I remember driving off and like, and like, I was like, okay, I just need to go and like process this. And I remember going and like cranking open the sunroof and sitting there just like looking up at the sky. And I remember God, like, uh, like I experienced like just this voice of just saying like, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, like just, just it's, it's okay. Respect your parents. Um, which was the farthest thing from my mind. Um, and I had all kinds of reasons to not, not to, you know, in my mind, they're, they're, my parents are not believers. And, and so I was kind of like, you know, they're, they don't understand, they don't understand me and, and all this stuff. And, but I just like this incredible thing, which was not like, I'm going to fix it or whatever. It was just respect your parents. Um, uh, and that was like such like, like the antithesis of what I wanted to do. Um, but so clearly what God had for me in that moment, um, and hearing that message was so like, that just burned into my soul um how how beautiful a message that was and exactly what i needed to hear and i kind of remember like kind of having a piece about it at that point you know and just say like okay you know this is what this is what it, the lord has for me right now and um <clears throat> and that was a really i would say a really powerful moment for me just kind of like you said sean kind of hearing the lord's voice in my life um and speaking to me in like a way that I maybe wasn't looking for, but definitely needed to hear and yeah. just feeling that yeah. so almost audibly. I mean, in my memory, it's audible. <laughs> I think it was audible at the time, you know? Um, but yeah, that's really, that's a very much kind of a powerful kind of revelation moment for me. So, um, so I think that was the story that kind of first occurred to me when I, when I read this question. Um, that's really cool. I'd, yeah, I'd love to, I think that's so much. I mean, that's so much fun to hear people's stories about how they've encountered God. You know how totally, God yeah. has really how God has encountered them. You know, um, but you know, you made a comment like a lot of people don't have those stories. Um, I'm, I'd probably say, you know, if you're following God, maybe you haven't had that story yet. You know. Yeah, or or maybe you're you're looking for it to be something like kind of to your point, you're looking for it to be, to look like what it looked like for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Maybe you just haven't been like aware. Um, I think that's usually the case. I think, in fact, I, I think that's probably the case for me, for most of us that we're not, we're not as aware of God's working um, even dramatically in our lives as we should be. Yeah. Well, I think about like the passage, and I know it's slightly out of context, but in Jeremiah 29, 13, I think he says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, like there's the, that emphasis um, that we we have to be seeking with all of our heart, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think in all of those circumstances, like that's, we heard from God because that's the only person we could have heard from, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. well um stephanie thank you for that question um i appreciate that it was cool to hear these stories um should we move along fellas sure yeah we're we're burning up some minutes here so <laughs> well this one's a doozy uh yeah, it is. ed ed has been patient with this he asked us a couple weeks ago and we just we're just finally getting to it so thank you for your patience ed um, I'll read some of his question here. I might explain a little bit of the context in case you're not familiar with the story and scripture that he's asking about. Um, I'll do this in an effort to give the three of us a little bit of more time to think about an answer because it's not an easy, it's not an easy question to answer. Um, Ed writes, uh, Judges 11, uh, the story about sacrificing a, a daughter as a result of an oath taken. 
And he continues to write, as the parent of three children, I would offer myself before sacrificing any one of them. I could not live with this on my conscience. Um, and essentially in Judges 11, the, the story you have here is this guy named Jephthah, um, who is exiled by the people and then kind of kicked out. Um, and then when they get in trouble, they reach back out to him and say, hey, will you come fight this? They, they, this enemy kind of rises against them and they reach back out to him and say, why don't you come fight for us? Uh, or lead us against this enemy because we need you. Um, and so then he says, well, okay, I'll fight and I'll, I'll go up against this enemy if you uh, will, will welcome me back afterwards as your leader. <clears throat> so they say yes. And then he goes and he fights uh, with the Ammonites, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before he fights, he makes this vow. It says, says by the way, that the spirit of the Lord is with him um, throughout all this story leading up to this point. And then it says right before he goes to fight, and this is in verse 30 and 31, I'll read it. Um, he makes this vow. And this is the question that, that Ed is asking. This is the passage that Ed is asking about. So he's getting ready to go fight the Ammonites. And he says to the Lord, if you hand over the Ammonites to me, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites, that thing will belong to the Lord and I will offer it as a burnt offering. That's what Jephthah says. Long story short, he wins the battle, and then he journeys back to his house, and the first thing out of his doorway when he gets home is his daughter, whose name is Mizpah. Uh, she's the first thing, comes running out of the doors to his house, beating on a tambourine, celebrating his victory. And, and it's a heartbreaking story. You know, he made this promise. Um, he says, whatever comes out of the doors to my house, I'll sacrifice it to the Lord as a burnt offering. His daughter is the thing that comes. This is a dark story. His daughter is the thing that comes out of the doors to his house. And, um, and he follows through with it. <laughs> um, and so Ed's question is kind of about this passage and kind of how do we approach this scripture? So um, that's his question. I'm interested in hearing your guys' take on it. Yeah, I, uh, that, that is a, that's a doozy of a story. Um, I mean, I think, I think in scripture, there are both descriptive stories and prescriptive stories. And mm-hmm. I would say this is a descriptive story, but definitely not prescriptive. <laughs> like this is not a go and do likewise. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, this is a, I think really, I think this is a warning ab- about rash promises. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see Jesus mm-hmm. in the new Testament um he talks about just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, you know, he talks about not making uh, grand promises, not swearing on anything, you know, not not making vows, you know, on your head or in anything along those lines, um, which you see happen frequently through the Old Testament. People are always making these kind of like huge proclamations like, I vow to do this or I vow to do that. And Jesus is just kind of tempering that. Um, but yeah i it's hard to know what to do with that story other than to kind of say like it's just a descriptive kind of thing like a cautionary tale it's that's a tough how how do you do that you know like you want to yell at that person and say that was the stupidest thing you could have ever done how foolish Mm. are you you know um yeah i don't know (laughs) 
it's easy to say that, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We have the benefit of knowing who Jesus is. Um, we've got greater clarity. Mm. Um, and I don't want to, you know, justify his actions or behavior, but but it's just easier for us to look backwards and kind of make a judgment call. Yeah. Hmm. You have anything to add, Brent? I think I would actually echo uh, Sean uh, in, a, in two things. I mean, my li- like, you know, I was actually, I read the question uh, ahead of time. And frankly, I didn't do any study. It, like de- I looked at the passage, but deep study to look at what the other speculation is about how to how to understand this verse because i don't think any speculation could satisfy my understanding and to sean's point i think some very important hermeneutical interpretation principles are you you look at the bible and first question is is this a descriptive passage or prescriptive meaning the bible one of the reasons I think it is credible is it doesn't sugarcoat things. It tells things the way it really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the apostles were idiots. They didn't believe, you know, why it, uh, you know, they didn't rewrite history to make, you know, the Bible credible. This is something that did happen. And I think it's safe to say, because there's nothing elsewhere in scripture that's prescriptive of this, that it's just something that was part of culture or whatever was going on at the moment whatever reason he decided he needed to do that and it did happen, but it obviously was wrong. It was descriptive. It wasn't prescriptive. And then the other principle that you mentioned, Sean, in a tangential way is Christ. You look at Christ. So one of the important things of interpreting scripture, I think, and this is common sense, this isn't like you need to go to seminary to learn this, but you go with common sense, whatever's plain in scripture, that's what, you know, Uh, does God love us? Well, look at Jesus dying on the cross. Yes, he, he loves us. So what is crystal clear in scripture? Um, you know, we know this is just not crystal clear. There's just too many nuances that we can't understand, cultural context that we can't understand. I'm sure there's, there's some good speculation and maybe someone who has some good historical context that I haven't read before um, uh, that's good speculation about what happened. But Ultimately, I guess I would say about a passage like this is, I don't know if I could ever find an answer that satisfies me as to why this happened. So, yeah, and I'm not sure. I, I think I think one of the one of the joys of studying scripture is that I don't think that it's necessarily always meant to do that. Right. Um, life is not like that, and I think I think scripture is one is a text that, in many ways, speaks into our lives so effectively because it doesn't it doesn't pretend to make things that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you guys were saying that I think um, there's nothing in this passage that would suggest it's pre it's prescriptive in, in, in and of itself, just as a standalone set of verses. Um, in the bigger picture, there's nothing in scripture that would suggest that what happens here is something that God ordains or, or honors. Um, Jephthah is known in scripture as being a faithful guy. Um, so not a, not a villain, um, and not kind of demonized after this. Um, so, so a faithful guy, a guy actually that the Lord blesses and, and kind of like I reference as you read this story, a guy who the spirit is with, Mm -hmm. um, I think 
for me, if I was studying this, this passage, Ed, and, and looking into it, I know you have a lot. Um, the first thing that really stood out to me is how the spirit was with him before all of this. This vow was completely unnecessary. Um, God, God was with him already. Um, and I think if, if there was a lesson here, it's certainly not prescriptive, like behave this way. I think it's more of a cautionary tale. And I think Sean, you were kind of going in that direction too, about, about the way that we use words yeah. <laughs> and the way that that affects us. Um, the, the thing that I think maybe the story is trying to tell, um, as you look through it, Jephthah is all about kind of getting back into control um, from being exiled. And you could kind of understand that. Um, but he's like, I want you to, to accept me as a leader. It says that he has only one child um, who is this daughter. Um, and then it, it mentions very clearly that this daughter has no children of her own. And it's very, very clear about that. Um, this is the end of his family. Um, and I think there's something, there's something that the scripture is trying to communicate to us in that as well, that not only was this foolish from a father's perspective, um, but from kind of a ruler's perspective as well. Um, his, his family line gets caught, cut off in this, in this action. So I think it actually beyond, beyond being not like not prescriptive, it's actually like this huge cautionary tale to, to be aware of, I mean, what I would say is like the, the foolhardiness of bargaining with the Lord, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. it's just, I mean, I, I think there's a, like kind of Brent, what you were saying is kind of common sense, but I think there's some, there's some, there's something to be said here for, uh, why are you doing, why are you doing making this deal, Jeff, that you have no reason to, there, there's, there's no earthly reason to the spirit of the Lord's already with you. Um, and, and so I think there's, when I read it, I read it with this little bit of like a, like, like consternation. Like what, like, why are you, what are you doing? You know, I mean, it's foolish, but it's also like, I just, it's just so, so off the wall, bizarre that he would do that. And I think um, for me, it's like a cautionary, you know, don't, don't be bargaining with the Lord. You don't need to. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, uh, to Brent's point, uh, Ed, I don't think we're really going to be able to answer a whole lot about this because I think it's just a really, really tough story to read. And I think sometimes stories about life are just tough. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think scripture does us a favor and not pulling any punches, but, um, but it is hard to study that stuff um, for sure. So uh, thank you for the question, Ed. And I'm sorry if we didn't really uh, give you cast any uh, light on it. Um, but as you can tell from our high budget microphones and our carefully rehearsed uh, scripts that we practice, um, we really, we project ourselves as experts who, who have the answers every week. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in our uh, intro, I use the phrase, our occasionally sharp theology. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would actually, I would, if, if you find a, a commentary that, that, um, dares to make a really, really strong point about this passage, I would actually caution you about that commentary. I really, I genuinely would. Um, uh, I read a couple um, and not, none of them made any really strong comments about like teachable points here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I would, I would just caution that um, because I, I don't, I genuinely don't think that is in line with the heart of that text. Um, 
I think it is a cautionary tale for us. Anyway, um, hope, hopefully we can, can we move on from that? Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, how are we doing on time? You guys want to keep going? Yeah. I mean, we've got probably about 15 minutes or so. 15 minutes. We can talk about freedom in 15 minutes. Let's do it. Shouldn't Let's be, do it. Shouldn't be hard. <laughs> um, uh, so typically when we, when the three of us get together, we, uh, for these podcasts, I mean, we've been doing, uh, I mean, we've been doing this at least a half dozen times now, right? Or exactly a half dozen times. Exactly. Now. Half dozen times. Um, and See, Brent, if we weren't counting, we wouldn't know that. <laughs> what? <clears throat> okay. What is this? Uh, a, <laughs> a, a real baker's half dozen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have to listen to episode to understand, you have to go back to episode four five. or five. five. <laughs> For all of you haters who think Brent isn't listening most of the time, <laughs> he did his homework and listened to last week's podcast before we started. <laughs> He's got nothing else to do. Good thing to do while you're locked in quarantine, listen to all the episodes of Podtipity. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so what we typically kind of kind of one of the things we do is like is talk about some some articles or stuff uh, uh, that have to do with with theology or or with church culture or um, um, or scripture and concepts about scripture and we, we have a chance to visit and talk about those together. I have a something here written by um, well I think it's it's written by the Christian Post but really it's kind of a quote uh, kind of summarizes this talk given. Uh, by Sean McDowell, who is a professor of apologetics at Talbot School of Theology in Biola. Um, and he gives us this, this talk, um, which is, what is the biggest lie young people believe about freedom? Um, and his talk is kind of outlined here in the Christian Post. Um, and I, I wanted to just spend a few minutes. I don't think we actually need to talk about this for too, too long. Um, but I wanted to spend a few minutes hearing your guys' thoughts about some of the points he makes here. I thought we could talk a little bit about um, about freedom. I think it does cost a little bit of light on on the state of society today and the state of culture today and kind of the way that people are looking at what's going on in the world today. Um, so I thought it might be kind of an interesting uh, topic for us here. Um, I'll read a little bit um, and, and, uh, and then just ask you guys a couple questions about um, what I've just read. So, so pay attention. Gotcha. One of the biggest lies this generation is tempted to believe is a lie about freedom, that freedom is about doing whatever you want to do. This is not freedom. Um, the existence of God, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me write this again. Let me read this again. I have a hard time reading. Um, that's why Brent, uh, Sean counts our episodes because I don't, I don't do so good with this kind of stuff. <laughs> this is not freedom, declared McDowell, who recalled at, um, who recalled at an event recently questioning a group of teenagers who defined freedom in this manner. He said the existence of God added to freedom, consequence in this life, maybe guilt or maybe getting into trouble and judgment in the next. The, the existence of God adds to freedom. Is what he said. It, it adds consequence in life, guilt or maybe getting into trouble and judgment in the next. So, so he's saying that, that freedom um, necess um, needs God's presence in order to be freedom. Um, my first question to you guys though, is this one of the biggest lies that young people read about or believe about freedom? I'll read it again. 
freedom is doing whatever you want to do. Is this, is this a lie that people believe about freedom and where do you think it comes from? Brent, you've got some teenagers right now. <laughs> Who I wish were not free. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I, and I don't know if you're going to get into this in some of his further quotes, Jesse, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead, but I think to elaborate on that, I think the biggest misconception is that freedom doesn't involve commitment. And the illustration mm. that I have used, and I, I stole it from someone and, and made it my own. I can't remember who I stole it from, but it was uh, it was actually, believe it or not, Aaron Cowan coming back into our podcast here. He's a, a frequent name in our podcast. But Aaron, <laughs> I love... Pontificator. <laughs> that's right. I love Aaron's solos, his electric guitar solos. Um, and many of his solos, as you know, are spontaneous sometimes are, mm -hmm. you know, and so he has the freedom to do that because of all the commitment he's put into playing and learning the electric guitar. And so to me, I think real freedom comes from a strong commitment instead of uh, uh, avoiding it. And so that's, that's my two cents. Hmm. I, think, I think there's something in there also about knowing the parameters, knowing the boundaries, like just using that illustration. He put in a lot of commitment to be able to have freedom with his solos. He also knows the rules, right? He's not just hitting random notes. He's hitting notes that intentionally are designed to follow one another, that intentionally fit within whatever key we're playing at that given moment. So he knows where the boundaries are. He knows what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate, and he knows how to make those kinds of things fit. And that kind of knowledge that comes because of his commitment, um, that those, those boundaries, that definition also gives him a certain amount of freedom. Um, otherwise it just turns into a disaster. Yeah. It's interesting that you would bring it up that way. I, cause, cause when I read this, when he says freedom is about doing whatever you want to do, I mean, part of me thinks, well, I, I mean, I can see that. Um, and when you say, uh, his, uh, <clears throat> obviously if, if I was to play a solo, uh, it would be a disaster, right? Me, me too. Yeah. Uh, it, um, but I wonder if there's an element of freedom that is, is that's okay. What you, what you do can end up in a disaster. Uh, and I, and I, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, I, I, I get where you guys are. I think I get where you're going with that, but I also wonder, I mean, is there another side to that to say, you know, uh, part of freedom is disaster is when it ends in disaster. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I would maybe phrase it. Freedom is best experienced hmm. in the setting of commitment, but, um, you know, uh, without it, to your point, it, you know, freedom can lead to, uh, to disaster if there's not some, some guiding aspect of it. Hmm. And I think that's kind of where, I think that's kind of where he's going to end up going here, but it's interesting because, you know, I, 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 I understand kind of given, given the trajectory of what he's about to say, I understand where he's going, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, when you say freedom is about doing whatever you want, I think to some degree, well, that there, there is a truth to that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. 
I guess, how, does, how is that not freedom? How is, how is being able to do whatever you want? How is that not freedom? I think it's probably because there's consequences and those consequences in and of themselves do bind you inevitably. So it might be, mm -hmm. it might be an immediate or a temporal freedom. Tem temporary freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. I think that's, I think that's a good insight. Yeah. Where it might, you might feel like you're able to do whatever you want, right. yeah. <laughs> but eventually after you play enough terrible crash and burn solos, they're not going to let you play guitar <laughs> right. anymore on exactly. Sunday morning. Fair point. I think that's Take away those freedoms. Yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. Um, let's move on then. Um, we can only be free when we know the truth and orient our lives in light of it. Uh, he, he continues to write here. McDowell writes here. If God created us, there's a purpose for our lives, how we're supposed to live. And we're only true, truly free if we know that purpose and then live accordingly. There's a purpose for language. There's a person, purpose for nations. There's a purpose for marriage. There's a purpose for, for sex. It's when we know that truth and orient our lives to that truth that we're set free. Hmm. Okay. And so I, you know, I read that and I'm like, yeah, preach, man. Because that's exactly kind of in line with what I believe, right? Full-on mm -hmm. confirmation bias. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, it's a biblical statement, right? Yes. I think I've preached something very similar to this. Um, but my question is kind of how is this a useful message for pop culture, right? Um, why, why does this line run like, like parallel with pop culture so they don't intersect? I feel like we're not able to speak the same language here. Um, he says we're, we're, we're only truly free if we know our purpose and live accordingly. Um, which, which I think is putting some limits on freedom, right? Which is so antithetical to the way, like I would say, kind of secular culture talks about freedom. How do we, how do we bridge that gap? Are you in a meeting? Yeah, that is maybe a, Lori knows. Maybe Lori knows. Yeah, <laughs> that that is a that is a good question. Um, a side note: In six months, when Lori listens to this podcast, she's going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> But let me let me amend that side note. And how many ever years after my funeral, and she's feeling sentimental, <laughs> and she listens to the podcast, <laughs> she's going to be so embarrassed. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's a how I don't I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes certain kinds of things we can do our best to kind of tell people what's going to happen and usher that cry of warning but you have to learn from experience hmm. you know like I, I think about i mean my kids are a lot younger than brent's so he might have some you know better better illustrations um for for a different for a different age bracket for for the teen or young adult generation than i do but i just think about like watching my kids uh, kind of discover the world in their toddler years, uh, there are various different things that I would, you know, say, don't do that, that's gonna hurt. You know, like Ransom trying to climb up on the coffee table um, mm -hmm. and jump from the coffee table to the couch, you know, or something along those lines. Like, you're gonna hurt yourself. Uh, and I can say that over and over again, I could put him in a timeout if I wanted to. I could, I could punish him somehow, but he's still gonna wanna try it until yeah. he tries it and he falls, right? Until he injures himself. And then I'm gonna pick him up and be like, that's what happens. 
there are mm -hmm. natural consequences, right? Now you, now you know a little bit better. You won't do that next time, will you? No. And then give him a hug and, you know, wipe away his tears and send him on his way. And now he's learned something. I, I told him it was going to happen, but it didn't change anything. Right. So I think sometimes there's an element of that that's going to, that has to happen, right? You have to try things and fail. Uh, but hopefully, even though we continue to tell people, hopefully somebody will hear, right? It might not be everybody, but, but if it's that one, I don't mm. know. Make sure your new coffee table is not a jumpy table. That's, that's my observation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Well, I was uh, gonna. I was continuing the musical theme, uh, Bob Dylan. Um, you're gonna have to serve somebody. There, mm. There's really, in which I think Bob Dylan was actually serious about that. He goes, you know, it might be the devil or maybe the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. The freedom is. Can you do the, that in Bob Dylan's voice? Um, no, oh, sorry, that's yeah. disappointing. Uh, but he's right. I mean, freedom is best understood uh as somewhat um unattainable without serving somebody and to mcdowell's point you know you it's best to orient orient it, orient your freedom and your life to the truth uh, you're gonna have to serve somebody yeah uh famous scripture you know we hear it every christmas um from isaiah all we like sheep uh, I've gone astray every, every, every man to his own way. And of course, every man, it's also biblical Proverbs 21. Oh, I'm say that I'm recording and hopefully I'm not wrong. Proverbs 20, a, a man's, a man's ways seem right to him, right? Mm -hmm. Right in his own eyes. Um, and so we all go astray, but we're, we don't think we're going astray. Uh, we think we're going the right direction. Um, the end of that scripture, and forgive me if I'm misquoting it, but I think it's Proverbs 21, a, a man's ways are right in his own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think there is, there is an element there where we, where we believe, we choose to believe that, that God has uh, a perspective and a true perspective to, to set us free in life. Um, uh, I think, I, think I, I love that point that you're making there about uh, from Dylan uh, Brent, um, I think of that, that line, Timothy Keller uses that, that analogy of a fish. Um, you know, you, you put a, you set a fish free in, on dry land <laughs> or set a fish free in water, right? The fish is going to thrive in one of those two atmospheres, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you want to set, we want to be set free in, in the atmosphere in which we are going to thrive. That's right. Um, intended to thrive. Um, so my, uh, my next question kind of from that is, is like this idea that I was thinking as I read this article is like culture is happy for every culture is happy for every person to kind of go their own way. And I think there's, there's kind of like this kind of egalitarian like, or kind of um, this idea where everybody can just kind of pick their own truth and kind of go in that direction. I think there's, there's um, kind of, that's the picture of freedom in our culture right now uh, mm -hmm. that we get to kind of pick our own reality Christians obviously not okay with that. We believe in a deeper truth that's not established by ourselves, but established by the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so my question to, to you guys, kind of especially given like um, what we see in the news, not just recently, but all the time. <clears throat> uh, my question as I'm reading through this, it was this, uh, is a country established on the, the 
the foundation, I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I say it right, is a country established on the foundation of various cultural freedoms. Is that biblical? No. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. We venerate that idea so much as Americans, this idea of what we say, God-given freedom, which mm-hmm. we would intend to mean whatever fill-in-the-blank issue you want to put in there, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, what that means is that every man's going in his own way and, and he thinks it's right. Um, and I, I think, yeah, not only do I think it's not biblical, I think it's not helpful either. Um, and I think we, we reap a little bit of what we sow there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, God help us all when all of those different uh, <clears throat> truths collide, right? That's, that's when things go bad. So. Right. Uh, he quotes uh, a, a, a guy named Stone Street, which I think is a familiar name to us. Yes. Uh, I think we talked about his article last week. Uh, we live in a culture in which people believe truth is actually opposed to love. And that if you're going to be loving, you can't can't speak out with a level of certainty, um, which I think is a fascinating point, something we've talked a little bit about here, the difference between acceptance and love um, and, and the way that right now, like kind of the way to be loving is to just let people choose whatever they want and leave them alone, um, mm-hmm. which I think Christians know is not, not truly loving and also not really freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's actually, um, um, this is super deceiving. And I think um, you hear super intelligent people quote that idea of people can choose their own truth, you know, that we can't, you know, we can't uh, manipulate truth. But I don't, and I don't think they get, that this is, I'm not trying to be facetious here, but when you say there's no such thing as absolute truth, you have just made an absolute statement. So you are actually being arrogant in a way, you know? And so I think people don't understand the self-deception and saying, oh, we can't know truth. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're saying absolutely that we can't know truth. You're saying absolutely there's no such thing as absolute truth. And I think there's a sense of self-deception about that that also allows people to keep God at, at hand's length. Because mm-hmm. if you can't really know that Jesus is the truth, if you can't really know that, you 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 just set your life in motion that you Jesus isn't gonna ha- gonna be the leader of your life, mm. and so. But to me, that's one of the biggest self deceptions out there that is articulated over and over. And it sounds humble at first because you're like, oh, you know, we can't really know that, or you know, we can't say that, we can't be absolute about that. But if you really dig deep into that they're making absolute statements mm-hmm. and um uh, and at the same time they're keeping christ at arm's length in my opinion so, mm. yeah. all right uh lightning round questions here okay i know we're running short on time oh, um, we, we're we're over our hour <laughs> at this point but um so yeah at par for the course then yeah. um can people grant freedom So much for lightning. (laughs) Yes or no question. (laughs) You anticipated smarter people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Limited freedom. Yeah, not true freedom. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, th- I think I think that's a really important thing for us to remember, especially in kind of uh, as Americans living where we live now. Uh, we have really high expectations of our country, which which is good. We should, um, but I think to remember that when humans grant freedom, it we basically mean freedom to participate in every kind of self gratifying act. Right. That's basically what we mean by freedom. When God grants freedom, it means freedom from sin's oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to understand that that Christians need to maintain this truth that we, we speak a different language when it comes to freedom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, not freedom to do whatever we want. <laughs> uh, and I think we really need to make sure that we redeem that, that notion in our, in our minds and also in our conversation. Um, I think, I think that's a really, really important for us as Americans, actually, I think it's uniquely important for us when we talk about freedom. Um, well, I don't want to go, I was going to say, I don't want to get too much into this, but I think another understanding of freedom is freedom. Real freedom is the freedom to want to do what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the importance of the new birth and regeneration and all that real freedom is wanting to do God's will. And so, um, which means knowing what it is, which knowing what it is and <laughs> right. then wanting to do it. That's wanting right. to do it. Yeah. Uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is freedom. freedom. Amen Paul writes that. that Jesus, you know, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we should, we should not expect people to grant freedom the way God grants freedom. Um, and I think that's a, I think to, to me, that's a really important to keep that those two things held in different hands when we talk about freedom um, mm-hmm. and when we think about it. So, Amen. all right. Uh, I think, I guess, I guess we'll wrap up since it is getting late and Brent's getting that look in his eyes. Um, unfortunately the, the, the bats have flown the coop already at this point. So I got nothing else to, I got no reason to leave, really. So I'll stay here all night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening. As usual, uh, podcast number 62. Thank you for tuning in. Man, it's hard to believe we've been at this for more than a year, right? Um, (laughs) But who's counting? (laughs) Appreciate you. Uh, Thank you guys for for spending another week here. Appreciate both of you guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you. Adios. See you all next week.